you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor who has designed and built multi-million dollar commercial and industrial projects and single family homes up and down the East Coast. And now, Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. If you want to do the best possible job, go in and either caulk or use an expandable or low expansion foam around all of those cracks and then come back and put the bat insulation over that. The bat's going to fill the big cavity, but it's not going to seal it extremely tight. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody. This is another hour of Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. He's here weekends at this time to take your calls at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can always reach Ken at that number. And don't forget, you can also post questions to his website, kenthecontractor.com. We also find a lot of useful home improvement information and information that is important to you, today's homeowner. And speaking of that, we're going to talk about safety at home to start this hour, Ken. You know, OSHA has done, in the minds of many, a good job of creating a safer work environment. For some, maybe they say the other thing, other way around. But what we don't realize is that the safety that most of us have now grown accustomed to and the way we function in our workplace, we don't often take home. And when you look at accidents around this country, more and more they're occurring in our home rather than the workplace, which in many cases tends to be much more hazardous. According to the Home Safety Council, which is based in Washington, D.C., that there are over 20,000 deaths a year in home accidents. There are 7 million disabling injuries in home accidents and 21 million hospital trips in the U.S. each year, all from home accidents. Now, what this says to us is that there are things that we are just putting completely out of our mind. I guess when we leave the workplace, we leave the office, we head home, we're in a different world. And I think for most of us, that includes me, that is true. You try to get work behind you and you try to deal with things in a little different uh, environment. But there are things around our homes that we don't think of as being hazardous that are. When we we think about all the chemicals and the products that we have, we think about home maintenance items that we do, landscaping, hardscaping, simple things right down to cutting the grass, maybe dragging an extension cord out that's the wrong type of cord for the right device we have, and we end up causing a fire or there's an electrocution or something along those lines. So we're going to take a few moments, and we're going to talk a little bit about home safety. We'll have items posted to our website, so you can check those out a little later on. Also, I will send you through my website uh, back to the Home Safety Council, which is a, a nonprofit, as I said, based in Washington, D.C., that works hard to keep all of us a little safer in our homes and also tracks statistics around the country. Some of those are pretty, uh, I guess, depressing when you look at the statistics and the things they tell us we are not doing right in and around our homes. Falls are by far one of the most uh, serious problems in homes. Second to that, believe it or not, are poisoning. Now, poisoning can be by combination of mixing bleach and wrong products together, chemicals together, paints and so forth, fumes that shouldn't be working in confined spaces, and it can deal with also prescription medications. So, again, falls and poisonings are the most common causes of death at homes where fires, inhalation and suffocation and drowning uh, also follow behind that. And when we think about drowning, we typically associate that with just swimming pools. But today, so many of us have water features in our yards. We have rain barrels. And these are things that we have to pay attention to, that we need protective devices. It may be for your pets. It may be for a neighbor's child. It may be for your own child. 
But if we're not thinking about it because it's not the workplace, then we're leaving these hazards exposed. And it can create serious problems or even death for us or for someone around us. So let's go through a list here briefly of items that I want you to think a little bit about when you're in home. One that I tend to harp on from time to time, maybe two of them that I want to cover. One has to do with smoke detectors. We talked about fires just a moment ago that is a leading cause of home accidents and hospital visits as well as many deaths around the country. Smoke detectors are extremely inexpensive. And I, it, even though this is not fire prevention week, I want you to think about the last time you checked the battery in your smoke detector. And if you haven't done it in the last three to six months, you probably should go do that, especially if you haven't done it in a year. It's time to do it. You want to be sure that the smoke detector is working. And if you only have one smoke detector in the home, I want you to go out and spend a dollar or two sometime over the next few days. And I want you to buy one or two others and be sure you've got one adjacent to each bedroom. And for many of you, depending on where you're listing, you will find there are programs within your local fire and rescue departments where they will give you smoke detectors if you can't afford them. The other thing you want to think about, because the smoke detector would alert you to the problem, but this is a bigger issue than many people think, and it has resulted about two code cycles ago in a change in the National Electric Code. And that has to do with extension cords. You want to check for overloaded extension cords. You want to be sure that the cord is rated for the usage that you're you're working with at this point. If you're plugging in something, let's say a heavy-duty shop vac, and it's pulling a large amount of current through an old, frayed, residential light-duty cord, not even an outdoor cord, then you've got a better chance of overloading a circuit, causing a fire, creating an issue. Several code cycles ago, they introduced in the electrical code what's called an arc fault interrupter circuit. And for those of you living in homes probably newer than the last five to seven years, you're going to have those circuits in all of your bedrooms. Eventually, the intent is the entire house will have those circuits because it takes items that I've just talked about, overloaded extension cords, frayed cords, those that could have a short in them that can cause a fire, and it trips the breaker before it can cause a fire. But right now, you can check and do your own part to be sure that extension cord is not overloaded, that it's not brittle, that it's not frayed, that you don't have a safety issue with it. One of the other safety hazards that we tend to overlook in our homes that's not construction-related in any way, shape, or form, that has to do with items that can be tipped or turned over on an individual and especially children. Now, occasionally I'll get calls here for somebody asking about hanging a very heavy uh, TV, a wall-mounted uh, flat-screen TV, or sitting it on top of a piece of furniture with the base support that it has, or a bookcase. And I'll always tell you that be sure that it's mounted according to the instructions, that it's properly secured, and that you have something that can counteract or offset that weight. And again, this is something we just don't think about. It's not the workplace, but if we were in the workplace, we would be thinking about how these items are supported. Well, you know, and I believe it was a little over six or eight months ago that there was a rash of, unfortunately, serious injuries and fatalities in and around the Chicago area where small children were being right. seriously injured or killed by TVs that not always were hung on the wall, but were on a piece of furniture. And the children had the ability to rock or move that a little and brought those TVs down on top of themselves. And it's not so much the TVs, but it's tipping furniture that is also, when you look at the statistics, a leading cause of home injuries that we just don't think about. Again, it's not a workplace. It must be okay. If you're loading a bookcase, for example, and you've got the old Encyclopedia Britannica out there, 
You don't want to load it in the top. In the bottom, you're going to put a few light things. You want your weight in the bottom. You want your heavier items in the bottom. You want your lighter things on top. And if you are going to top mount something, be sure that it's permanently secured to the wall. Well, you know, and, and some of them are just lack of judgment. I know my dad worked for Black & Decker for many years. He was on industry safety councils dealing with lawnmowers. You would not believe the number of people who suffer serious injuries because they mow their lawn and their bare feet. And this became a point of contention with my son when he wanted to do that one day. And I said, absolutely not. Well, these are things we've all done in our homes for so many years. But I have to tell you, I've taken my training from OSHA, from state and federal safety standards for the last many years, and brought it where I can into the home, even when my son, working with my daughter, others, where's the eye protection, where's the ear protection, you know, do you have on hard-soled shoes? These are some basics that help protect us around our household. I remember a poster years ago, and I think it was in a shop class, safety, it's no accident. It is no accident. So I want all of you to be careful around your home. We'll take a quick break and then come right back. Contact number 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have questions about your home, inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers. Welcome back. Ken the Contractor is here. He's ready to answer your questions about your home inside and out. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And let's go to the phone lines right now. It is John who joins us from Reading, Pennsylvania, listens to our program on WEEU. John, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. Hi, John. Appreciate your call. How can we help you today? Well, I have a front porch floor that needs replacing, uh, and uh, it's an, it has the roof over the porch, uh, but it's open on the sides. And underneath the porch, I have my wood shop. And so basically, i got a floor that's acting like a roof. And uh, the floor has it rotted out once before, and I replaced it with pine, and that's not working out too good. And I'm looking to have to replace that again. And I was wondering, what's the best kind of material to uh, put down there? You really want to do this just one more time and leave it be, don't you? That would be nice. Especially, how long ago did you replace the current floor? Uh, About six years ago. Okay, so you really didn't get a lot of years out of it for the money, the time, and labor you put into it, then, did you? No, I did not. Well, let me tell you, the industry pays attention to those type things, not only for you, for me, for all the rest of us out there. We're Today in our society, we're about doing it once and not having to touch it again. But typically what that means is we put more money into it the first time or this time that we do it. So if you look at the money you put into it, if you put $3,000, $1,000, five, whatever it was six years ago, and now you've got to do it again, but at today's dollars, maybe a little more money, what I'm about to tell you probably won't uh, scare you too much. But the products that I'd recommend, not only for you, and there's so many homes, especially in the northeast and the the northern part of this country, that had basements and porches designed in that style. And uh, you're not going to see many of them in Florida and along the Gulf Coast where they have extensive rains and other issues to deal with. But you're not by yourself. Uh, The West Coast is another area where we see a lot of this type construction. What I'm going to suggest you do is investigate in your particular market, in and around Reading, Philadelphia, those areas, suppliers of both aluminum and vinyl decking 
that's made for this purpose. These are pro- I'm going to give you some names in just a moment, some brand okay. names. But these are products that have that are interlocking. They are concealed fasteners, and for a lack of a better way to phrase it, they have an internal gutter system. So that what they do is allow any rainwater, washing it down, you know, spillage that occurs to be collected through a series of channels that are concealed. You don't see them. And it discharges this water to the outside of the porch. At the same time, it creates a watertight permanent ceiling for the bottom sides. That sound like something you're interested in? Uh, yeah, yes, it would. Because that will solve your problem. Again, where this is also popular is where there are multiple decks on homes or even condominiums, office buildings, and people want to use it for a porch. And so it becomes the deck floor for the porch above, but the ceiling below so that you're not getting rainwater if you've got a ground-level porch or second- or third-story porch. It's become quite popular nationwide. The product is not going to look quite as nice as what some of us would want on our porch in in some the, the eyes of some because it's not a wood product. But they are doing a very good job of giving us a similar look and offering products in a lot of colors. One is a is called Duradec, and that is a vinyl floor system. D U R A D E C K. Okay. All right, and that is a vinyl composite system. It's an interlocking system. And again, as I said, both of these. I'm going to give you another one in a moment or two more. But they are interlocking concealed fasteners, and they drain from the top down. They don't go through the floor. And there's no painting. There's no rusting. There's no rotting. So it's a long-term permanent solution to the type problem you have. Another one is called Lock Dry, L-O-C-K-D-R-Y. Now, that's an aluminum decking. And you may say, well, I'm not sure I want aluminum. It sounds like I've got a high school bleacher. But when you look at the product, I think you'd be impressed with it. And, again, the longevity of it, it's just not going anywhere. And there's another one that I'd recommend called Arid Deck, A-R-I-D-D-E-C-K, which is also aluminum. It's a slightly different style with a different profile as far as the internal gutter system. But there are other brands, other manufacturers, other products in the marketplace, and it varies from one part of the country to the other, but they serve the same purpose. Not only do they make the deck, but they also make the appropriate trim and flashing that goes with this to secure the deck at the house to make it watertight there and along your perimeter, your outer edges, so that you're not having to worry about a lot of caulking or or getting water in around the perimeter, even though the field or the main area is watertight. Mm -hmm. I was wondering where the water actually drains, because there's no weep holes through my brick at all. Well, you know, this is something you'd have to look at with one of your installers. This is, if you can imagine, let, let's say, for example, you were to have a 2x6 a deck board. Now, you probably have tongue and groove, which is, uh, what, an inch by 3, inch by 4 flooring? That's right. Okay. But this is a thicker material. That's why an installer or someone would have to look at it with you and be sure the application works. You don't have an issue where you transition into the door into the house or around your perimeter brick. There are different installations that I have seen uh, that will work. So if your flooring terminates within your foundation brick, for example, then there's no way for the water to drain. That means they're going to have to add an internal gutter and then pipe that water through the wall. Oh. So it still collects the water at the end. Now, another system that is available, but you said your deck has rotted out and you need to replace it anyway. It's not that it's just leaking. That's right. But there is another system for wooden decks. If you decide, I just want to replace it with wooden deck and I'll deal with the water, it is an undermount system. It's an undermount floor drain system that applies or goes in underneath the floor joist that support that deck board. It will collect any water. 
Uh, it acts as a ceiling. It is completely watertight. It also has a gutter system and then will discharge through a downspout or a series of those through the wall or directly to the exterior. So there are numerous ways of resolving your problem. One would be to replace your deck and then look at an undermount uh, drain system. And the other would be to go to one of the either the Dura deck or the vinyl composite systems or the aluminum systems with a built-in drain. Okay. I was wondering what kind of cost is involved with uh, It's like uh, 20, 20 feet by about 8 feet. That's going to vary from region. What I'm going to do is give you some percentages and tell you that if you're replacing that wood deck and you're going to paint it and you're going to go to aluminum, you're probably going to pay three to four times the cost of of the wood, but you're going to do it one time and not ever have to worry with it again. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with some of the uh, the composite products, you're probably going to be dealing with two and a half to three times the cost of the wood. If you're going to be putting an underfloor drain system in, uh, it might be equivalent again to the cost or one and a half times the cost of the wood. So if, investigate these. Don't settle on one system or one company, but make your phone calls. And I'll post this information to our website. So if you didn't jot the names down of the brands I'm talking about, you'll be able to go to KenTheContractor.com and look it up again. Okay, great. Well, appreciate your help. Well, we thanks. Uh, thank you for the call and for listening to us uh, through WEEU. Thank okay, you, John. We, we enjoy the show. Thank Thanks. you. Good luck with your project, John. Thank you. Don't forget, if you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And one thing that Ken always encourages you, whenever you're doing projects in and around your home, look for products that are made in America. Absolutely. If you see that American flag on the side of it, you don't even have to see the words made in America. They're telling you it's an American-made product. We're all trying to do our part to continue to support jobs in this country, to keep money in this country. Because, folks, it's just one big circle. And if you spend a dollar on an American-made product and it stays in this country, it's going to come back to you most likely in your own job or career. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975. Or you can reach him through his website. You can post questions at KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for Ken about a home improvement project you're working on this weekend or just an annoying little problem that you'd like to get taken care of for once and all, give Ken a call at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Time now for one-on-one with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. Our next guest is Jay Sherman. Jay is Director of Marketing for the Residential Division for Leviton. Jay, welcome to the show. Ken, thanks very much for having us today. You offered a little bit of a teaser just recently on our show to folks about some new things. How is Leviton providing some of the innovative design and energy-efficient solutions that homeowners are looking for today? Because industry-wide, this is big to all of us. Ken, we have a number of new products that we're introducing at the show this year. Uh, I spoke with you uh, earlier about our new universal dimmer. Uh, we also have a solar product entry this year, and uh, we're still very aggressively marketing home automation products. I'd be glad to speak to you in detail about any of those. Well, tell us briefly a little bit about the solar side. I get a lot of phone calls and a lot of email questions about solar. I don't know that it's extremely popular yet, but a lot of us are asking questions about it. Levitin is now marketing an opportunity for homeowners to lease, as well as purchase, but also lease a solar system so they can have 
uh, basically a turnkey solar system operating on their roof, substantially reducing their utility costs for no cost whatsoever, no out-of-pocket investment whatsoever. All right, now, that's going to get a lot of phone calls and attention. You said you can lease a solar system for no out-of-pocket costs. That's correct. For, I, well, I'll amend that for as little as no out-of-pocket investment. All right, now, you're going to have to elaborate a little more because I'm not going to be able to answer these phone calls when they start coming in. How does that operate? The simplest way is for your audience to go to levitin.com slash solar, S-O-L-A-R. And there are a number of options there. There are a number of tools and utilities so they can compare different options, different opportunities, so that they can choose the one that works best with their budget comparing to their current utility bill. Something new. Everybody wants to write that down again. The website is? Levitin, L-E-V-I-T-O-N dot com slash solar, S-O-L-A-R. Now, also, you are introducing a universal product that I want you to talk a little more about because I think this will revolutionize the way we live in our homes given the fact that the incandescent bulb is on its way out. We have LEDs. We have CFLs. We're all looking at alternative lighting or lamp sources for our lights in the house. We are terribly excited about this new product, our universal dimmer. It is able to dim traditional incandescent bulbs as well as dimmable LEDs and dimmable CFLs. There's a real challenge in the marketplace presently where uh, there's some incompatibility that your audience may see with different dimmers and different lighting loads. This product has been tested extensively with a very, very broad variety of bulbs from the different manufacturers of these bulbs, and we're calling it a universal dimmer because thanks to its microprocessor-based uh, design, it truly dims all of these different lighting loads. So it takes it down to the lowest level, which a standard dimmer will do on an incandescent bulb and brings it all the way back up without having flickering or some of the other issues where it's an instant on and off as opposed to dimming. That's correct. The, the trait that you just described is uh, especially visible with dimmable CFLs. We have kickstart voltage when the product is used with a dimmable CFL. It detects the load, the fact that it's a dimmable CFL. It provides this what we're calling kickstart voltage, and it eliminates the flickering that you described, and it eliminates any problems with starting your dimmer at the lowest possible level of dim. Right, and let's move to another step, because I think that one's going to be more than a little bit exciting for everybody as well. You've hit on two key items for all of our listeners to be talking about among themselves, to be in the big box stores, talking to their builders or electricians. Where do I get these? How do I install them? Are these products on the market right now, for example, the universal dimmer, as well as the ability to lease a solar system, or is that coming yet this year? Readily available. We're introducing today the universal dimmer. Literally today, the product is available. It's available in a variety of places, including online at the Leviton.com store. So you can, if it's more convenient, you can purchase it online, or you can certainly go to big box stores or to, if you're in the trade, to electrical distribution. Okay, one more product. I have a little bit of time left that I want to ask you about, and that is Leviton's Renew and SmartLock, the Pro Self-Test GFI. Two different products. I'm so glad you asked about both. The SmartLock Pro GFCI is literally the most slim GFCI on the market. It requires 25% less volume in the wall box. Any of your audience members who have installed the GFCI know what a bear it is to install. This GFCI is not only more slim, it also comes in a variety of options, including its self-test. Everyone should be testing their GFCI monthly. The self-test GFCI 
will automatically test itself every 15 minutes. That way, a homeowner can have confidence that that GFCI is working properly. And for those of you that aren't following this or are a little bit confused by it, remember, the GFCI is a ground fault interrupter circuit. These are the safety outlets that you're going to find in wet areas of your home, garages, kitchens, outdoors, bathrooms, those areas. And so now you're saying this is a self-test. Instead of the little button that we typically have to check, and most of us might do it once every six months, it will automatically go through a a self-check cycle. That's correct, every 15 minutes. For those that have installed these, instead of taking up the full depth of the box with a lot of wires in it, which is a real pain, you're saying that this is about, I'm sensing, about the same size as a traditional outlet? It's a little thicker than that, but the number that we're using is 25% less volume than a traditional GFCI, and that makes a big difference to someone, to your point, that has to deal with a number of conductors in a wall box, and it's more usually than not having to fight to get a GFCI in that box. Some new products. You'll be seeing this in your hardware stores. Talk to your contractor, your electricians. Wherever you are, these products will be on the market because this is a name that's been around for 100 years and well-known to all of us. I appreciate you being with us today. Ken, thank you very much for having us. We sincerely appreciate your interest. And that is this week's edition of One-on-One with Ken the Contractor. Again, for more information, go to leviton.com slash solar. Got time for a mailbag question. This one comes to us from Virginia. Comes to us from Lawrence, and he says, I'll be pouring a concrete patio this summer. Okay, he's got his work lined out for him. Said, would appreciate any advice you can give. My main question is, what's the best way to keep concrete from setting up too fast in hot weather? Great question, and a lot of us don't pay attention to this. In today's world, chemical curing and sealing compounds are very inexpensive and easy to come by, meaning you spray it on once the concrete sets up. It actually retards how fast the water is leaving that concrete, and it helps reduce the cracking, the surface cracking that many of us see in patios, driveways, and so forth. But if you're asking for the best way, I go back to old school on this. Concrete was cured for decades and decades without chemicals, without these things that get back into the soil. And if you're concerned about that, you may want to simply cure it with water. And yes, I said water. I've done that in some of my own personal properties where I've been particular about the curing and the cracking in the surface. And that just means you keep a sprinkler on it for several hours. You keep it very wet after it sets up a few hours. And uh, you also make sure you don't pour concrete in direct very, very hot, sunlit days. I mean, if you're in shade, it might be okay, but if you're 95 degrees and it's extremely hot and you add some wind to it, worst thing you can do for the surface finish on the concrete. Chemical curing and sealing compounds are just plain water once it sets up to where it'll support the water without damaging it. And is the old adage, if you have any doubt with pouring concrete, just don't do it? Just like frozen ground. If you have any doubt about it, because once it's done, you've spent your money. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. Each week he's here taking your calls and questions about your home inside and out. If you'd like to reach Ken, you can. His contact number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and I'm Jim Britt. We're here weekends at this time to help you with your home improvement issues. And also, remember, as Ken says, a house is what you build, a home is what you make it. You can always reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. But also, you can email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. We've got one of those questions now from Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, this comes to us from Jim, as you said, out of Lexington. said, we're considering putting a 6 by 14 desert quart ledge stone, which is a stone product sold by Lowe's on the walls on our sun porch. The question is, what kind of wall prep is needed? Right now, it's unpainted drywall. 
He goes on, the sun porch is enclosed so it will not be exposed. Also, what notch size is needed, and would you recommend use of thin set or wall adhesive? Also, can this be cut with a regular wet saw? So he's covered the gamut. Jim, you're thinking a little bit about everything you need to install this. But I want to talk to you about the particular product that you're discussing here. Lowe's carries this, under this exact name, carries this product. There are so many others that are very similar by retail outlets in other locations. But let's address this one first. The particular product you're talking about, the recommendation is typically to install that on a, a, wall that is not uh, necessarily thin set. I guess what I want to tell you is the product is really a thin veneer stone typically installed with a mortar backing. That is more common than not. Other thin veneer stones are applied in a similar fashion using a, a trial uh, on adhesive, which is part of what you ask in one of your questions. But in this case, I want to assume that you're going to install this over a mortar backing and talk to you a little bit about the prep. Now, since you're working over drywall, you need to remove all the trim. You may have a base or some door facing or casing that you're dealing with out there and determine how you're going to trim or extend those areas also. But you need to remove the trim, leaving a flush surface. Also, if you have switches or outlet boxes or even a a water hose connection, a hose bib, those will probably need to be extended just given the thickness of this veneer stone. And unless you're skilled at it, you might want to consider hiring a licensed professional to come deal especially with the electrical and probably with the plumbing. Now, drywall is designed for interior use to support paint, to support wall covering. It's not designed to to carry uh, products that may have moisture getting through them, and that would include the moisture that's in the mortar that you would apply to the wall. So the first thing you're going to need to do is apply some type of a vapor barrier. Pretty common with this type stone is a felt backing directly over the drywall. Then you need to install a wire lath. So this may get a little more involved than you're thinking. And over that wire lath, once it's securely nailed in place, you're going to install or apply what's called a scratch coat of mortar. And you want to use a Type S mortar. There are three three or four different types of mortar with different strength in them, but you typically want to use a Type S mortar here. Then after that scratch coat dries, 48 to 72 hours, you're ready to install the stone. That's what you thought you could do the first day, wasn't it? So what I want you to know is there's a little bit of work in store for you to be doing this. I'm going to post all of this and all the details to my website, KenTheContractor.com. What I want to do is skip ahead a little bit and tell you that there are other products out there that you can install without the wire lath, without the scratch coat, that are designed specifically for a mastic to be trialed on and applied to an existing wall surface. Where I have some issue with drywall, even though the manufacturer will tell you it's designed for drywall, this is just me personally as a builder coming from the old school, is that that drywall is only going to support what the paper face on the drywall will allow. So if you're putting a bunch of stone on that, you're adhering it to that, if the paper releases from the drywall itself, your stone's coming off also. So I really don't recommend it. I don't like doing that to tile. A lot of people will do it. But I would prefer to see you apply either a CDX plywood. More My, my number one preference is going to be a, a cement fiber board over the drywall and then put your stone over the top of that and set it as a thin or a, a, a mastic applied product. And you can leave it with a dry stack look or you can come back and apply mortar in between the stone. So you do have some options. You ask about the trial for you and all the others doing work. I can't emphasize enough that the notch size on a trial is so important Always follow the manufacturer's instructions. If you don't, you're apt to find it won't set up, it won't cure properly, it won't stick to the wall, or it'll fall off the wall. So if it calls for an eighth inch, a quarter inch, a three-eighths inch, that's the notch size you need to use, even if you have to go buy a new one. 
So, Jim, I hope that puts you at least in the right direction. Again, go to the website, KenTheContractor.com. We'll have all the details posted for you and all the others. And we appreciate you tuning in and following us from Lexington, Kentucky. All right. And it's time now for In the News. Weekly Ken brings products, trends, and services that are important for you to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, remodeling, and also new construction. There are a lot of us in the marketplace that tend to follow trends, and especially those things that are happening when it comes to green building products. And Catherine uh, Salant is an architect who also writes for the Washington Post. And I know I see her, I've seen her at trade shows occasionally, and we're all, again, following the circuit, trying to see what's new in the marketplace. And she has done a good job of putting this particular information together, and I'm going to tell you what's happening as far as countertops go. I brought some of these products to you in another segment about a year ago, but in this case, she's talking about uh, green countertops, products that are being made from recycled items. And all of us are more and more conscious of the green building program today, but here's one from Formica called their E-Series, which is a solid surface countertop. It's conventional looking as far as the material goes, but the manufacturer deliberately sought to incorporate material that isn't usually recycled because it's costly and because it's difficult. And most of you are saying, I wonder what it is, and you're thinking all kinds of things, but you're not going to guess this. Formica chose Expanded polystyrene plastic, that's EPS, which is the material used to make styrofoam cups and packing peanuts. None of us would ever think of that being in our countertops. because it, And the reason they're using it is because it doesn't decompose in landfills. So, again, they're trying to be even more green-friendly than other manufacturers out there. The E-Series also contains 10% scrap waste from the production of Formica's conventional solid surfacing countertops. So they're not putting that in the landfill. They are recycling that and putting it back in the new countertops. comes in six light-toned earth colors. The E-Series installed cost is about $50 a square foot, which makes it very competitive and actually on the low end compared to many other solid surface tops that are out there. Also, DuPont's Terra Collection is in the marketplace with some similar recycled products. Their countertops with 33 available earth colors are ranging anywhere from $50 to $100 a square foot. A little more pricey, but many more colors for you to choose from. And uh, Concentero's also produces an eco line which resembles its Silestone, or Silestone quartz countertop. But the content of that is slightly different. All recycled products, or percentage, I should say, of recycled products, in their case, they're actually using old porcelain, which may include toilet sinks and dinnerware that's being recycled, and I don't know how, in a powdered form, I hope, because you're not, I hope you're not looking at a piece of a toilet in the countertop. But they are recycling these components into new solid surface countertops. Eco countertops are offered in 10 earth colors, and they're in similar ranges to DuPont. So there you go. If you're redoing your kitchen and you're into building green, you've got at least three major manufacturers across the country, Formica, DuPont, and Constantino's, out there with new green countertop solid surface. Can you remember years ago? When if you were redoing a countertop, I mean, it was pretty basic stuff. Very basic. Very basic. It was your basic laminate top, and a lot of people call it Formica, which is a name brand, but there are a lot of producers of laminates today. But very basic, and you go out and you spend 3 $4 a square foot, and you install it. Today, people are spending 100 200 $300 a square foot on countertops. That's the reason I tell you, when you look at some of these solid surface tops, even though it is a lot of money, but when you can talk $50 a square foot for a solid surface top, 
that's very economical compared to so many that's in the marketplace. Well, that'll do it for this hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you have a question for him about your home inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. This is Ken the Contractor. Do you have questions about your home inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com, where folks come for professional answers.